This week on Not Another Marketing Podcast, I'm talking buyer personas with the president of the Buyer Persona Institute, Jim Krause. Now, we're going to be talking about what personas are, how we kind of start building them, and if ChatGPT can help. It probably can't. It could probably mess it up for you, couldn't it? Yeah. Uh, We're also going to be talking a lot about behavioural personas uh, and if demographic personas are kind of dead these days. A lot of market research talk as well. So make sure you check out all the links in the show notes. Subscribe if you enjoy the episode. The first thing I asked Jim was to kind of explain what a buyer persona is. Yeah, so uh, a buyer persona really is... You know, a, a lot of the traditional thinking around buyer personas is, is that it is uh, a description or a profile of an individual or a role that is involved in the buying decision. You know, mm. characteristics, whether it be their education, uh, their priorities, their attitudes, their overall needs, nothing really associated with any particular buying decision they're making, just more of a descriptive about who this individual are, you sometimes you hear the word avatar um, Mm. used a lot. Buyer personas to us is a bit different. And that is that we are focused on the buying decisions that uh, people make and businesses make. So a buyer persona really is at the highest level is developing deep buying insights around a particular buying decision that you're trying to influence. So if you're a marketer or seller, for example, and your job at the end of the day is to influence buyers, educate, influence them, what you want to understand is insights about that specific buying decision you're trying to influence, um, which is much more powerful and much more impactful than just profiling one of the decision influencers. And we can talk in more detail about the key components Hmm. that should be in your buyer persona, but that's a fundamental definition and a in a difference than what a lot of people think about when they think about buyer personas. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a meme that's doing the rounds on LinkedIn, which I've seen many many times, which has got a picture of Ozzy Osbourne and a picture of the King of England himself right next, and they're identical sort of like demographic personas. They're both the exactly. same age. They both live in a castle. They're both English. They both got loads of money, um, and they're but they're completely different people, right? And that's where personas can fail, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. The when we talk about buyer personas, w- normally when I talk about it, I do spend a fair amount of time talking about the buying dis- difference between understanding the buying decision people are making and understanding the people themselves, because it's a very fundamental difference. Um, the, as you mentioned, with uh, a great example is the uh, the Ozzy Osbourne King of England <laughs> is a great example of that. So yeah, would agree completely. Yeah. Do. do- do do they work? I mean, do, does building a buyer persona actually work? Is it worth putting in the time and effort and maybe hiring a hiring somebody to help? Um, absolutely. Um, it, it's whether you hire somebody or not to help you with. It's what you really want to understand. It is what is the optimal way to build a buyer persona, right? So, a buyer persona really should include five critical areas of insight. And if you have these five areas of insight, it will inform just about every marketing and sales decision you make. Um, the key is to uh, also how you develop your buyer persona. And we can talk about that a little bit as well. Mm. There's, you know, there's do's and don'ts about how you develop one. But let's just talk about. Yeah, talk the five. about the fi- Yeah, talk about the five. Okay, give us a. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the five key areas. We call them the five rings of buying insight. Um, it's just a name. You can call them whatever you want. The yeah. important thing is what they are. So the first one is priority and initiatives. And priority initiatives are what are the triggers? What are the things that are getting your prospective buyers 
the people that you're trying to influence, what is getting them to even start looking for a particular solution in the first place, right? Because yeah. they may have yeah. had a particular challenge for any length of time. What's getting them, you know, off their chair to say, hey, we got to do something, right? So yeah. that's the first one. The second one is what we call success factors. And these are the outcomes or benefits that they want. At the end of the day, they're making this investment. What are the most important things that they need to be able to point to to say, you know, we were able to do this now or achieve this because of this investment? The third area, which is a really important one and, and is overlooked many times, is what we call perceived barriers. And perceived mm. barriers are all the fears, concerns, trepidations that your prospective buyers are going to have about making this investment, right? They're moving off status quo, right? So there's some inherent yeah. risk involved with that. Yeah. Um, you want to understand ahead of time what those are. The other way to think about perceived barriers are what are the things that are going to eliminate uh, providers or you from consideration or as they kind of start weighing their options and, and winnowing down their choices. So you want to know what all those things are, sure, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fourth thing is decision criteria. And decision criteria is when you really get into the you know nuts and bolts of a decision, right? What are the things, or not even things, let me put it this way. What are the questions that you know your buyers are going to be asking? And yeah. it's how they evaluate um, who they're going to put in the initial consideration set, how they're going to winnow down their choice, and how they're going to come to an ultimate decision. You know, it's more bottom of the funnel yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, right? And then the fifth and final one is buyer's journey. And buyer's journey includes a couple of key components. Uh, one is who are the key influencers in the buying decision? There's probably a buying committee if it's a high consideration buying decision. Who are they? Um, what are the, the key steps in the process? What are all the moments of truth from mm. the beginning all the way to the end that really matter? And then lastly, what are the information sources that they're using and that they, they trust, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. all kinds of d uh, data about how much of the buying journey is done before anybody reaches out sure, to a salesperson. Yes. You yeah. want to know what all those steps are before and after. Is, is that true still? I mean, is that true? I mean, you see some weird and wonderful stats of like 60, 70, 70% 70 of, of the decisions already being made before they even get to you. Is, is that true? A absolutely. Yeah. You know, we do a typical buyer's journey. It's, it's amazing how much happens before yeah. um, a typical buyer will even reach out to a salesperson, right? They're doing a lot of their own research. The good news is that there's still so much opportunity because what's probably going to happen is by the time they get to you, they've got so much information in their yeah. head, right? They're just looking for guidance. They're looking for somebody that can really say, hey, two yeah. things. One is they really get me, right? And two is they're really helping guide me as far as what's the most important thing and what outcomes can I get. And coincidentally, if you have all the five areas of insight that I just described, mm. you're going to be so much better equipped to do that better than your competitors. Sure, sure. It, it sounds a lot like market research. Is this how, how we find this information out, how we gather, how we build our persona? Yeah, so the way to build your persona is, is market research um, from a, a broad standpoint. And the way to do it is... Um, to talk to recent buyers. And what I mean by recent buyers is a very specific definition here to do this to do this well, is, is not necessarily talking to your current customers or your sales force. We would never suggest you don't talk to them, but they're sure. gonna have some inherent biases and they're also gonna have a narrower viewpoint. What you wanna talk to is people that made the exact same buying decision that you're trying to influence in the past six to 12 months is typically the guidance that we give. And these are folks that, these are opportunities that there's a good chance you didn't even see them. They never sure. even came to your front door, or maybe yeah. you saw them, 
but you weren't chosen for it, right? Because the reason that's so important is there's a couple of reasons. One is now you've got a buyer persona based on the buying decision that is market-based, right? It, these are, this is a persona that reflects who you want in your sales pipeline. Um, the other reason it's so important is because in the way that you do these interviews. So the way these interviews, it's a little different than a traditional qualitative research that some, some folks listening might be familiar with. The way to approach it is much, the interviews is much like a journalist would, where the only scripted question that we typically ask is, take me back to the day when you first decided you needed X, and X would be whatever your solution is, yeah. and tell me what happened. And then you literally, over the course of typically 30 to 40 minute interviews, you essentially peel back the onion so you understand their entire story from how they initially even figure out who they were going to consider, how do they weigh their options, how do they come up with their final decision. You're not giving them aided lists and asking them to rank things. You're having them self-identify the key moments of truth because those are the things you really want to understand. Yeah. Are you actually talking to people? I mean, talk speaking to them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and that, it sounds uh, yeah. strange because there's so many people trying to do this digitally, aren't they? Trying to look at signals and, and behaviors online and things to build these personas. And they, a lot of the time they ignore the talking part. It, it's mind-boggling mm. how much of that goes on and mm. there's a place for that right but yeah yeah nothing can replace talking to somebody that's actually gone through it because they have first of all they love talking about it like some yeah. marketers have a little fear about talking to recent buyers and i can assure you that they love talking about it you got to find them right yeah, that's yeah. another conversation but yeah they this is stuff that they're not pontificating about they're not you know dreaming things up or thinking about their ideal state you know they're they've been through this right and this was an important decision so they'll love talking to you about it and the, and the beauty of this is that along with the the five areas of insight that i mentioned to you another critical part of your persona as a quote-unquote deliverable that you end up with is the buyer quotes that you're going to end up with because the buyer quotes will do two things one is it will lend incredible objectivity and relevance to, to what you're sharing with your internal stakeholders. They're going to see immediately that these are folks that we're trying to yeah. sell to, right? It's just going to come screaming off the page or the presentation or whatever, however you're yeah. communicating it. The second thing that's super powerful is you get to know your buyers in a way um, in, in such a, you're literally walking in their mind and in, in their yeah. footsteps, right? You see how they talk about this decision. You see how they think about it. You can feel the angst. You can feel yes. the excitement. You know, it yeah. just comes rip, ripping off the page. And as a market and a seller, think how valuable that information is in, in your strategies and tactics to yeah. influence buyers. Yeah, and I think if you've got somebody who's who's who knows what they're doing asking the questions, like a journalist or somebody like that, they can they can feed off the body language, they can look at the facial expressions, they can understand whether they need to rephrase a question or not. Absolutely. And the most powerful question you can ask and it's amazing what you get from this question is, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, right? So yeah, because yeah. somebody will say a typical thing is like a typical, if we're talking about it, you know, let's say a uh, software as a service solution type buying decision and somebody will say, um, it didn't really integrate well with our yeah. other systems. Oh, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. And, and they'll start telling you exactly what they what, meant. Yeah, they'll talk yeah. about the systems that was really important. And again, that's just an example, but it's amazing what you can get. It's the second and third probe, if you will, where all the gold is. Yeah. I've seen some folk trying to use ChatGPT to build personas. Have you tried that? Does it work? 
It, it can help. Um, mm. You know, right now where we stand on, on Gen AI as a topic is, you know, it's, it's a useful way to analyze some of the data that you're collecting. It can yeah. give you a head start on the data. It can give you a real ed, uh, head start on if you're trying to figure out what do I do with the persona insights afterwards, right? In terms yeah. of help me, you know, create messaging concepts around this, right? Yeah. But we've done tests where we've literally looked at the same buyer persona where we've done the interviews and what we can get from a chat GPT or some other Gen AI platform. And there are significant differences. What tends mm. to happen is the Gen AI will, will literally give you everything in the kitchen sink. Yeah. Um, right. And, and there's no focus, right. About what's really important or the, the opposite is true where you're doing a persona for maybe a particular buying decision. That's a little bit more niche and everything is too narrow. Right. Yeah. And you also don't know where the source of the information yes. comes from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the, that, that's the biggest problem because yeah. again, when you deliver the buyer persona with the buyer quotes, the credibility is instant. It's literally instant, right? Yeah, Nobody yeah. can argue it. They're like, because there's people nodding your head saying, yes, yes. <laughs> this is this is what we're hearing in, in X, Y, Z, right? Yeah, and, and if it doesn't know, it does tend to make things up because it's trying to serve you with an answer, isn't it, which you've asked. So, yeah, yes, yeah, ab absolutely. Just, so yeah, just, there's yeah. a role for it, but yeah. the, we're still playing around with it. I mean, all we do is buyer personas, so we're trying to see what we can get out of it. But just it, it can't replace one-on-one -on -one in-depth interviews with people no. that have actually done this buying decision. Um, there's no way you can replicate that. Sure. Does, does can any business benefit from from building personas? Do, do you need to be a certain level, a certain size, a certain revenue, a certain you know, a certain type of business? No, the buyer persona we're talking about. The key, I want to call it requirement. The the mm. the, the ideal uh, use case for it is any type of high consideration buying decision works really well with this methodology, regardless of this. You know, the a size of the you know the company that's doing it or. Uh, the, the cost of the actual um, solution. And by high consideration, all I mean is, you know, this is something where your buyer is probably looking at multiple alternatives. It's not a split instant decision. There's probably multiple decision influencers. There's um, some risk and reward associated with it. So it's not like if it's something where it's a transactional solely based on price or, you know, I'm buying a can of soup at the supermarket and it's just yeah. an instant, you know, that doesn't serve it well. But otherwise, whether it's consumer or B2B, most of the work we do is B2B, but there's lots of examples of consumer purchases that fall into this high consideration uh, yeah. category, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of what you've spoken about is behavior-based. It's, it's why people think in certain ways and how they interact with you and things. Do you think the idea of kind of like the demographic persona is is dead now? Um, no, I think it has its place. So what we haven't talked about, but one of the ways that we complete our buyer personas is uh, we also um, advocate a buyer profile, which is mm. a, really a cover page to the persona. And what we do with that is with the people that we interview who are involved in the decision, we do additional profiling information on these people in terms of asking them about their overall priorities, challenges, information sources they use, education, things like that. We can also subsidize that with things like Gen AI or other secondary analysis. Hmm. And it's useful because it does give you another view of who are these people that are in the buying committee. We have found the biggest value of it in the, in the high consideration buying decision personas that we do is that or orients people towards it. So it's kind of a good way to segue, say, okay, here's who we're talking about, right? Now yeah. let's dig deeper into their buying decision. 
Um, and it does help figure out if you're trying to figure out, you know, what watering hole, right, to go find these people. Yeah. It helps it helps there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I worked with a company ages and ages ago, a few years ago, um, and they used to they used to um, make these little teddy bears into their personas. They used to sit them on their desk. I can kind of understand why they do it. I don't know whether you have them in the States, but you can go to these make a bear stores <laughs> in the UK where you go in there and you like pick all the clothes and pick the bear and you dress it how you want. And they used to do this for their clients. So they were a they were a marketing shop who were writing product descriptions all freaking day. You feel sorry for the people doing this because one minute they're writing the product description for a wedding dress. The next minute it's fishing tackle. The next minute it's antivirus software. You know what mm. I mean? And they're flipping and flipping and flipping instantly all the time. Mm. And what they used to do was to try and get themselves into the right headspace in a way was to they'd pick up, they'd have all their little teddy bears and they'd put the teddy bear in front of them and said, right, right to them. Right. Does that sort of thing work, do you think? Uh, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't work. It's um, one of the challenges is, and this is something that we often mm. see is we'll have if we have somebody that comes to us is a typical use case will be somebody that has, you know, way too many personas that are based on an individual decision maker than they could ever possibly do anything with. Yeah. And what happens is it ends up confusing the issue more yeah. than helping it, because, again, if you go back to the center of the universe here, you're trying to influence a buying decision. Yeah. You know, anything else other than that is noise. And the problem is that buyers are, as we talked about already, they've got this, you know, fire hose of information coming at them. A lot of it all looks the same, right? Because, yeah. you know, the different providers are saying kind of sort of the same thing. And they're starving for somebody that can really get them quickly with the nail in the head where they can start breathing a little bit and saying, oh, okay, maybe this is a... Uh, you know, this company gets me. They're talking about the things I care about. They're progressing my thinking hmm. and making me think, think about things I should care about, right? You can't, and you can't figure that out hmm. by, you know, a, a, you know, avatar or description that provides characteristics that doesn't even touch on the real buying decision you're trying to influence. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Understand, yeah. So if, if we were going to, if we were thinking of, if we'd never done this before, we were a business, we sold, I don't know, widgets or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, and we're thinking of starting to understand our, our customers a bit more, build up. So where would you start? I mean, you've mentioned your five areas of insight and like the priorities initiatives being the first one. Would you start there or would you start start right at the beginning somewhere else? Yeah, I think the, the place to start is um, to do two things. One is um, define what the buying decision is that you're trying to influence. And, and I say that it sounds kind of parochial, but I will tell you that that is we have, you know, when we do a study, we do one hour, you know, kickoff calls for the study. And we'll spend with a lot of folks, we'll spend the hour <laughs> just yeah. talking about the buying because nobody's ever actually thought about it yeah. before. Yeah. Really, really thought about it where you're saying, what is the... What is the actual buying decision we're trying to influence? That's yeah. number one. And then the second piece of that is once you've defined that, what is the what is the target market that you're trying to influence, right? Yeah. So if it's B2B, is it certain geos, certain industries, certain characteristics of, a, of your end client? It, it could be anything. Once you have that, right, then you figure out, you know, how do you go out and find those folks, right? And, yeah. you know, you could work with an organization like us that can help you do it. You can work with third-party recruiters that can help you do it. Um, but you also have to learn how to conduct those interviews. Um, and we have some resources um, that can help folks with that uh, if they want to, uh, you know, do it themselves. Yeah, it's a skilled job, isn't it, asking the questions? It, it is a skill. It's a it's a muscle you got to build up. Yeah. Um, 
we actually offer a master class on our uh, on our website sure. that teaches the ins and outs of how to do these studies and one of the areas is how to execute the interviews but it comes down i always say it comes down to two things with the interviews one is always have in mind what you're trying to get out of it right these five areas of insight that's what you're trying to learn mm. um the second thing because that'll kind of be your your north star in terms of how you question and probe the second thing is just be curious right don't yeah. go in with any preconceived notion that yeah. you understand the buyer's yeah. story your job is to extract their story from them. If you do, if you have those two things in mind, you can't go too far wrong, off. Yeah, yeah, it's assumptions, isn't it? What is it? What do they say? They make an ass out of you and me, or something, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't. And, and and I think it's it's one of the problems with social media and the world we tend to live in is that. A lot of folks, because I'm old, so I, I kind of like look look back historically at this. A lot of people more likely to assume that everybody behaves the same as them. Correct, exactly, and you can't just can't make that assumption. So, no, no. one of the things I always um, I've been doing research for for a long time, and one of the things that I always caution moderators, and I've moderated um, and done a lot of interviews myself, of course, and one of the things I always say to them when you get later in a study is to stay fresh, right? Yeah. Don't go in, like you start getting, I don't want to say jaded, but you start yeah. anticipating what the next thing's going to be said, and you just yeah. can't do that because every, every time you do that, you are going to be making assumptions, and you're just going to keep learning the same things over and over again. You will always find out, with any new person you talk mm. to, I guarantee you will find out something new. Yeah. So, so, so we've got our personas. We've hired Jim to build us beautiful personas. He's been asking all the questions and everything. How do we work work out whether it's working or not? How do we measure the results? Work out if this works. Um, so, let me mention one thing about what you may want to do with the findings as a second hmm. step, and then let's we can talk about your question, which is a great one. Um, one of the things that we would highly recommend you do is. If you think about a simple Venn diagram, two interlocking circles, let's say the left-hand side, the left-hand circle is everything that your buyers want to need, right? Yeah. These are all the insights that you got. You did this great persona study. Yeah. You've got 30 or 40 things that you're like, this is what our buyers want. We know them now. And, and that's, you can just run off and do all kinds of things with them, right? Messaging, yeah. positioning, sales enablement, et cetera. A really great exercise to do is take the right circle, which is, what are your organizations and your solutions capabilities? What can you actually do? What can you do well? How can you differentiate yourself? Overlay those two things where, so literally take every want and need that you found out in your buyer persona, go one by one and literally map it to what your organization is able to do. And mm -hmm. there'll be some things you may not be able to really do or do, yeah. do very well. There may be some things that are, you could do very well and really differentiate yourselves. Do that exercise. If you do that exercise, the middle point, what's going to come out is what are five, six key value propositions or yeah. message themes that we can feel really confident we can go to market with? Sure. Because A, we know buyers want them, and B, we did our, our homework, and, and we've got a great answer to tell. We can handle these, hand these to our sales force. We can create thought leadership. We can create messaging, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one exercise that I highly encourage you to do. Um, how do you figure out if it's working? Mm, yeah. Is, yeah. So the key thing is, I, I'll say this, uh, I'll say there's a subjective and objective way of looking at it. Yeah. The, the subjective part of it is, and we've heard this from our clients before, is you start feeling like there's wind at your back. Like you're not, 
you're not fighting the current of what buyers really want and need. You feel like you're really starting to connect with them in everything you do. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to quantify that. Sure. Yeah. But if we hear that over and over again versus, uh, we're just flailing. We're not really sure if what we're doing is really hitting the mark or not. So that's one thing. The other thing is just is, is metrics, right? So, you know, we have organizations we work with that have had remarkable increase in the, in the, not just the number of the leads uh, they get, I would say qualified leads or however you want to refer to it is a great metric because you want the right people to find you, yeah, right? Because yeah, people yeah. can find you that you're not a great fit for. Yeah. If you do all this stuff, you're going to start finding people, right? That are more aligned to what you do well. And then conversions is another big one. Yeah. Uh, being able to convert bu- uh, business because the perceived barriers and the decision criteria, those are the third and fourth areas I, I mentioned to you. Yeah are incredibly useful when you get further into the sale, right? Sure. Because now we're <laughs> the buyers pass the, oh, you know, here's what we want and the outcomes. And guess what? Every provider is probably saying the same thing. Now we're going to get into the nitty gritty here. And how do you build my confidence that you guys are really going to execute, not fail me, right? Yeah, so yeah. we always, we the other metric I would say is conversions. And yeah. we see that all the time uh, for folks that use these uh, insights effectively. Yeah, I've just written down conversions on my paper when you said it. It was um, because you, you, I suppose if you're targeting well, you can get to a situation where you're having less quantity of leads coming in, but you've got a higher conversion rate and you're doing more business. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and less work for more money. Hey, mm. that sounds good that, to me. Sounds good. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Jim, it's fascinating chatting with you. And um, Where can we find you? Where's your website, social media bits? Uh, pretty straightforward. We're www.buyerpersona.com. Um, there's all kinds of information out there that could be helpful for anybody in the audience that wants to dig in further. We've got templates there. Um, we have our master class there. Um, we just have additional um, discussion about everything that we talked about today. Um, the other place would be um, if they want to link into Buyer Persona Institute on LinkedIn or me. We put, try to put out a lot of thought leadership and just yeah. conversations about understanding the buying decision. Um, and hopefully it's a fresh way of thinking about things. Fantastic. I'll put some links in the show notes and folks can um, give those a, a quick tap. Um, Jim, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John. This was great. Thanks again to Jim for his time. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the episode, subscribe for more Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.